Good afternoon and happy Halloween. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I could say spectacular or, or uh, maybe some sweet things happening in this marketplace, but an interesting trade that we are going to look at today. Obviously, we, we have seen the mixed trade, the higher numbers uh, this week and, and then last week, but there's some bigger outside market influences. You know, last week we were talking about some of these macroeconomics that really having an effect on the trade. And we're going to look at some interesting factors we haven't looked at as of late, and that includes jobs numbers. The Fed's underway right now. Where are we trading this crop, or are we even trading the crop that is coming out of the field right now? So lots to look at today as Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. And so let's kind of start out right there, Sean. we got jobs numbers coming out later this week. How much of an influence could these numbers have on our grain and livestock market? Well, you know, we've we've been having surprisingly strong economic data, Susan. I think the last third quarter GDP was, you know, 4.9% above expectations. But I do believe we are starting to see forward-looking evidence that there's deterioration up ahead. And I think the jobs numbers is one of the critical components to having the Fed back away from their stance, having the interest rates, which have backed up to 5% now, across the board and to have this perpetually strong dollar that have all these trends which are not positive for commodities uh, reverse. So I think on Thursday, ADP is the private sector jobs report comes out in the morning. I think that's a very important uh, report to watch. What comes out? What were the expectations and how did the markets react? Remember, the Fed has a meeting this week, a two-day meeting today and tomorrow. They'll have a communique out. Uh, in the afternoon it's expected they're going to be on hold and um and then of course this adp number on on thursday will drive the expectations for the december meeting so that to me is a very important component that has been against us for over a year but you know i still feel we're we're, we're going to enter 24 with that part of the equation being more favorable we just need to see something give the feathers of a reason to back off so having said that, how, how do you see that weighing in? I mean, we've got to have something, as you and I were talking before we started today's program, to do some reversing on these trends. Is this something you see that could be the push over the cliff? Well, I do think that these are that, that reversion of rates, this reversion of the dollar, um, is, is, is really going to be one of the important factors that does push the commodity sector, especially agriculture and grains, to really get out of this kind of funk they've been in for quite some time. Um, and, and I'm expecting that we're going to see this change before we get to the end of the year. Um, I think this week there's a really good chance it could be this month uh, or the, you know this, this particular moment. Um, you know, gold's already acting very strong to the upside. It usually is a first mover in, in kind of sniffing out a more bullish trend in the, in the monetary side. We're seeing, seeing things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, which have been now are, are the digital store value that tend to go up in advance of more accommodative monetary policy. So, so some of the early mover markets are telling us that they're already starting to see a trend even before we get the clear evidence. So I think we're starting to get close to that moment. Once we do, the whole rule of engagement will start to change and 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 the risks will be much more to the upside especially if mother nature gets involved than to the downside and i know that uh with with the feds talking as you and i are talking uh their comments coming later this week and and including tomorrow will have some, some big influences possibly on this trade action 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, everyone is, is, is trying to, to read between every line and what are their what their long term intentions are. You know, it's important to to try to decipher not only what they say, but what they're actually going to do. And and so the market's reaction tomorrow afternoon when they come out with their communique, I think it's at two thirty Eastern time, and how the markets react to what they say. Um, once again, another very important because if, if we're getting close to this this reversion. Uh, of these trends, uh, one of these meetings and one of these employment numbers are going to see a violent reversal, you know, and that's the kind of reversal you know, where you go from, from you know, a, a violent reversal the other way of the trend, and that tends to be where you put in your your important inflection points. And in this case, it would be a more favorable inflection point for, for, for a better commodity prices overall and certainly for grain markets. So looking at uh, this USDA crop that, or excuse me, this crop itself that is, is underway, still coming out of the fields in many areas, do you see that? Um, are we trading on that? Or are we looking beyond that at this point and, and focusing on 24? I kind of think we're done. I think the USDA has gotten to where I think they're comfortable right now. The variability that we continue to see coming out of the crop, is so wide that I don't think they're going to make any major changes. It's going to take months upon months before they are going to get a, a, an actual number. And so I think we've, I think we're done with that. I think the market has traded and said we're comfortable with these numbers. We're now moving towards South America's crop. It's planting time, and we're very alarmed about what we're seeing with the trends, especially in Brazil. We think we're looking at what could, could be one of the worst northern half Brazil growing seasons in many decades. And we say this because the Amazon monsoon, which drives the moisture for the northern half, including Mato Grosso, has experienced its worst start in since 1902. In fact, the Amazon River is at the lowest level since 1902. We talk about the Mississippi and, and the Panama Canal. Well, now, now you can add the Amazon River to this. And when we look at the development of El Nino, it looks to us like it's going into what's called a central-based warm sea surface temperature regime, which, which is called an El Nino Modicai. And when you get that during the growing season in Brazil, it changes the walking cycle to deprive or suck moisture away from that northern half, especially central west. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. It is the channel final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids is combining with Channel and the other nine regional brands to become the new enhanced Channel Seed brand. So what does that mean for you? Well, for starters, a best of both worlds product portfolio as both brands come together in 2025. Also, greater local agronomic support and more innovation and digital tools. Contact your local Fontenelle and Channel Seed professionals today for the best discounts. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation today with Sean Hackett. Sean, of course, with Hackett Financial Advisors. And we had to abruptly end to go to commercial break, Sean. But I wanted to talk more about about what you're seeing as we talk about El Nino and the effects that... You know, such a focus has been on Argentina. And as you're saying, we really need to maybe retune our focus, shall we say, and look at Brazil a little bit more closer. Yeah, we think Argentina is actually going to get some pretty good weather uh, based upon El Nino Mordecai that we mentioned uh, in the first session. 
Um, and and so it's the northern part of Brazil that's going to be really in the crosshairs. We're hearing from Mato Grosso that a lot of the soybeans that have already been planted because they were planted in such dry soils are going to have to be replanted. And now you're going to start taking maturation, Susan, into late February. And we know, you know, if you get the late planting in corn and you get too far into the dry season for Brazil into April and May during pollination, it becomes a big problem. They had this problem a few years back and, and we saw the, you know, the corn production down, you know, greater than 20%. Uh, in, in aggregate and to add insult to injury the southern portion portion of brazil where they grow the other 40 percent of soybeans and the other 25 percent of corn in the south they're been getting relentless endless uh rainfall in fact some of the wettest conditions we've seen in 40 to 50 years um that's equally not as good during the planting season and so normally a lot of times in soybeans the south can offset the north but if it looks like we have the we have we have the the two worst scenarios you could ask for during the planting season which is hot and dry and endless moisture occurring side by side at the same time that sets up a very problematic growing season for brazil and if brazil what happens in brazil will not stay in brazil they're too big too important now for, for the market not to ignore and put significant weather premium on should this weather pattern that we think will continue go on into the growing season. So having said that, something bad happening in Brazil, does that mean some possibilities of some export opportunities here in the U.S.? Absolutely. If the market, if the world begins to worry that the big soybean crop and the big corn crop that we enjoyed last year and the endless exports that have made our exports suffer are going to be short in the upcoming season and that U.S. is going to be a far more important player, we're going to quickly see business come our way looking to get cheap corn and cheap soybeans, relatively speaking, to the last few years and start bringing those orders in before the, you know, before the markets start putting too much weather printing. So I think it'd be very good news for producers in the U.S. who are looking to look for are looking for some good opportunities to cast sell some of their production they've just harvested or finishing up harvest. So then looking at February, March, April of 24? How does that help? Yeah, February, March, and April, that's where I believe the greatest concern will, would, would be and where you could see the, the, the market pricing in whatever the worst-case scenario is for Brazil. I would be looking at that window for an opportunity to get cash sales made for a really good early opportunity to get some profitable sales on the books. That definitely is what my marketing strategy would be looking for for opportunities. Some great conversations. I wanted to switch gears before we have to wrap up and, and get your opinion on what's happening right now within the dairy industry. Uh, dairy is a tale of two different prices. We have class four prices, which are doing very well. High butter prices, improving powder prices. The U.S. has geared its entire production towards more protein content for cheese and less butter content for things like cheese and powder. Um, and so that's created a significant bifurcation between the two prices. Um, and so usually the class four market will lead the class three market out and, and higher. And so the fact that we're seeing the class four price stay strong and, and improve you know, up as close to $20, it suggests to me that we're going to eventually see the class three price, which has sort of a, an oversupply of cheese right now, you know, 
find some better pricing once we get into the first half of 24. So I think it's a little bit of a yin and yang right now, but I am encouraged from what I'm seeing on the class four side, leading class three higher. Anything else we need to be keeping an eye on from a livestock perspective, cattle or hogs at this point? Uh, you know, cattle, I think, you know, has been suffering here, Susan, lately because of the, of this uh, negative macro environment we just talked about. But obviously if we get some reversion of those, trends that would help the cattle market because so, the mindset is that the ec- economically sensitive disposable income is very important for beef. So in terms of in terms of the hogs, shoot, the pork cutoff price is back at December 2020 levels, Susan. We just need to see demand come back. We need to see the U.S. consumers say that's too cheap. We're going to go buy that. We're going to go you know fill up our freezers with that. All right. Lots of great stuff today. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there that people could take a look at what we do, how we do it, to see if what we do might be of value to those listening to your show. All right. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell, brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional on the Rural Radio Network.